We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. You're at war, a mortal combat, a fight to the finish, a struggle for your life. But before you fights the valiant one, whom God the Father elected, Jesus Christ, the Lord God of Sabaoth, that is, the heavenly host, already plunged headlong into the battle, and he already has risen triumphant from the grave and rules from the right hand of the Father over all heaven and earth. For those victorious in the strife, the spoils of this warfare are eternal life with God in heaven. There is no doubt who has already won, and that's Jesus. But it's you too, because by the gift of baptism, you were joined to your victorious king, who washed you in the tide that flowed from his pierced side. Thus, everything that he has won is yours also. His victory is yours, and all the spoils of that battle are yours too. Christ has won the victory, but who has he defeated? Who is the enemy whom Christ our Lord has overcome? Who is it that you still struggle against in the mop-up of this warfare? Knowing that the end, Christ has already won the victory over them and for you also. This is just the dying breaths of those already mortally wounded. But ask yourself, who is the enemy? Now certainly you have enemies, earthly ones, in this earthly warfare. For sure, you struggle against each other daily, sinner versus sinner. Probably you struggle within, too, mano a mano, against yourself. And, of course, those battles, serious as they may be, are nothing compared to your bat the battle for your eternal future. All the other skirmishes and wars, as terrible as they are, are not the real battle. China or North Korea could nuke you. ISIS or mothers at school board meetings could terrorize you. Wicked men or global oligarchies could take your goods, fame, child, wife, even your very life. But all of these battles are really nothing, and you're just an extra in them anyway. There is a greater battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Unless those around you command your worship, your fear, your love, or trust, none of them can take from you the freedom that is yours in Christ the victory that is already yours. 
These, again, unless they seek to undermine your faith in Christ, they're not the ones that you wrestle against. You're not the one, they're not the ones that overthrow faith. More often than not, they're unwitting henchmen, deceived by the deceiver, doing the work of the real enemy without even knowing it. But you know the real enemies, of course, because you learn them quite well in the small catechism from Dr. Luther. The rulers of the darkness of this age that you wrestle against are, of course, sin, death, and the devil. I'm sure you've heard the expression so many times now that it's just a mere cliche. Well, yes, sin, death, and the devil, enemies, fine. But have you really taken it to heart? Rather than wrestle against that enemy of sin, that is your rebellion against God, instead, you actually wrestle against God himself, against his word. And, of course, all the ways that it defines your rebellion. That is the definition of what is sinful. Thought experiment. Yes, I love my parents and honor them always. Fourth commandment. Well, except when they exasperate me or when they are needy or they criticize me casting off the life that they gave me. Or maybe the fifth commandment. Yes, I know that hatred is wrong, but I can hate that one or that person. Or the sixth. Yes, adultery is a sin, but not the way that I lust with my eyes or sleep around or forsake marriage in my old age or just live in cohabitation, making a mockery of marriage. Or maybe your favorite is the eighth. I'll uphold my neighbor's reputation, well, unless there's a nice juicy bit of gossip that I can share with the whole community. Or maybe ninth and tenth, coveting. Well, that's just the American way. And so the same, rather than wrestle against the reality of that second enemy, death, you probably don't even consider it an enemy anymore, but a friend to embrace. That's why we don't call them funeral services, we call them celebrations of life, while there's a dead body in front. Even Christians have gotten caught up in a celebration of death, euthanasia. A good death is what that means. Used to be kind of a negative term, the Hemlock Society. They changed their name, by the way. It's now Compassion and Choices. Though their advocation of suicide was considered abhorrent by nearly everyone. And now, well, that's fully embraced. Patients can direct the next of kin with the ability to choose death, even where there's healing treatment possible. We even have these nice, fancy words like quality of life as an excuse for rather taking life, when God alone gives and takes it. But worse than that, when we talk about the enemy death, we're not talking just merely about our physical death, mortal death, if you like. That's not the only death in the scriptures. Because the true enemy of faith is actually an evil death. That's to die apart from the source of life, Jesus, and to die eternally. To die apart from faith in Christ and be damned forever. 
Our earthly, mortal death isn't what separates us from Christ Jesus. Neither life nor death nor powers or principalities can do that. Quite the opposite, to die in the Lord is to actually pass from death to life. And you remain with Christ on both sides of the grave. That's why Jesus refers to your grave as a quiet bed where you sleep in peace until the resurrection. But an evil death, the enemy we fight against, is to, to remain dead in your trespasses and sins, apart from Christ's forgiveness, and to be cursed eternally. So you see that Christ died to defeat not only earthly death, of course, but to grant redemption from the death of hell. And that death, that evil death, is the real enemy. But of course, as you know, trespasses and temptations to sin, mortal death and eternal death, these are actually just instruments of the real lasting enemy. St. Paul called this enemy today the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Earlier he called him the tempter. And that tempter and his demonic host seek your demise day and night. St. Peter likens the deceiver to a prowling lion seeking someone to devour, seeking you. This enemy seeks to overcome not just your, mere, your earthly life or your welfare, but most importantly, his goal and every aspect, every temptation, every fear, everything that he promotes is to draw you away from faith in Christ Jesus, especially from his forgiveness and his promises. But do you recognize him? I think that's what St. Uh, Paul is after there in Ephesians. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, and yet we think we do. So how would you ever recognize this enemy? You know, it's Halloween season. You'll probably see somebody dressed up as a devil of sorts, right? With pitchfork and horns and a red jumper. That would make it easier to recognize him, right? But he most often works behind the scenes, working through instruments. And the scriptures are clear. It's usually through false teachers and false believers. He lies. That's his means of attack. And these false believers and false teachers, we pray yet, will repent and believe in the gospel again. They're redeemable. But their lies, the lies of those who teach falsely, are never redeemable. You can't turn the lie into a truth. Instead, you have to reveal the lie for what it is. Call the false teacher out on account for corrupting God's word. St. Paul says elsewhere, I think, to Timothy that false teachers are to be marked and avoided. You can't redeem a false teacher, not his teaching anyway. And false believers who buy into the lies of the deceiver, they too, whether they know it or not, are being used to undermine your faith, to be on guard. Because the devil, his demons, his lies, and all the instruments he uses for sin and death, those are the real enemies of faith. Not the person sitting next to you in the pew, not your neighbor, not your corrupt politician. Because every purpose and aim of the devil is 
to make your faith in Christ Jesus shipwreck. Yes, he seeks to tempt you to sin. He wants you to forsake Christ and trust in yourself. These spiritual enemies, powers and principalities and rulers of the darkness of this age, these hosts of wickedness, they want you to construct idol gods in your own image, to forsake Christ and to trust in yourself. And they would have you disregard everything that God gives, the gift of life, ignoring the defenseless child in the womb, to neglect the care of the disabled and the aged. They want you to twist God's word to make it conform to your own desires, not rather you be conformed to God. They hope that you will re redefine the church and our ministry to be something quite different than what Jesus gives it for. Not a place to make you feel better, that's what they want, but rather a place where you hear how God feels about you, that he loves you, he cares for you, he forgives you. You see, ultimately the aim, and the only way that you're going to die an evil death in your sin, is that you would make Jesus out to be your enemy. Corrupt faith and life. The enemies, these spiritual hosts of wickedness, they want you to hate God and trust in yourself. But hear this. Jesus is not and it never has been your enemy. He loves you. He took on human flesh for you so that he would suffer for you, die for you, rise on the third day for you and ascend into heaven and have all power in heaven on earth for you. And he will come back to judge the living and the dead for you, to give to you and all believers in him resurrection, eternal life, to take you home to be with him forever. No matter what you experience, no matter how the warfare goes or if the battle is long, that is the Lord's desire and promise, today and always. Jesus never desires your death. He suffers all your faults and all your foibles. He's compassionate, compassionate on your every need. He does not willingly or ever forsake you, his child. He will not leave you alone to suffer and die. He has redeemed you, made you his own, and now given you his kingdom, baptized you in his name, and feeds you today with his body and blood, all is a pledge and token of his forgiveness, life, and salvation that is yours. The victory spoils that he has won for you. All this he does for you, that you would have confidence for today and for the days ahead, strength to suffer whatever the enemies, earthly or more importantly, those enemies that seek to undermine your faith might throw at you. He gives you everything you need today and always to be faithful, even to death, and thus to receive the crown of life. So St. Paul described the life of the Christian, your life, as one, yes, fighting, but also fully equipped and shielded with battle armaments. Paul said, put on the whole armor of God, every piece of it, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. The victory is won, and Christ has given you exactly what you need to remain faithful until it is yours as well. He's given you precisely what you need to withstand the devil and this evil day, and that's his holy word, a word that protects your head and your heart, that's a shield, and it's even a weapon. Even today, you are equipped with truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation, all likened to various pieces of armor. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation. He puts into your hand the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And this is being wielded deftly today amongst you and by you as you pray together in liturgy and hymnody and as you hear preaching that cuts down your enemies and defends you from false belief. Because the battle is fought and won by Christ's death upon the cross and resurrection from the grave, it's already done. What do you have to fear? Because now from the right hand of God, he continues to shelter you with his holy word to protect you from all the assaults of the devil and death and even your own sin. And it's he who is keeping you faithful and preserving you until the end. May Jesus continue to bless you and strengthen you with his word and by his spirit. Amen. Amen.